Chapter 4 Yes, I know what a Liran is. I have heard of that species, Axe said. But where did you hear that word? It was the next day after school, out in the woods where Axe and Tobias lived. Tobias was off hunting. I wanted to talk to Axe alone. He was in his own body, of course, watching me with his main eyes, while his stock eyes cautiously scanned the trees in every direction. I had asked Jake not to say anything to the others about Eric. The others didn't know that Visitor One was my mother. They all thought what I had thought for the past two years. That my mom had drowned. That her body had never been found. I hadn't wanted the others to know the truth. That my mother had been made into a controller. That the yerk inside her head was the original commander of the Earth invasion. I didn't want their pity. I still don't. I'm a joker. I'm a comedian. That's how I deal with life. See, I've always believed that to some extent, you get to decide for yourself what your life will be like. You can either look at the world and say, Oh, isn't this so tragic, so grim, so awful? Or you can look at the world and decide it's mostly funny. If you step back far enough from the details, everything gets funny. You say war is tragic. I say... Isn't it crazy the way people will fight over nothing? People fight wars to control crappy little patches of empty desert, for crying out loud. It's like fighting over an empty soda can. It's not so much tragic as it is ridiculous. Asinine. Stupid. You say, isn't it terrible about global warming? And I say, no, it's funny. We're going to bring on global warming because we ran too many leaky air conditioners? We used too much spray deodorant. So now we'll be doomed to sweat forever? That's not sad. That's irony. Note to Alanis. That is ironic. But humor kind of breaks down when the tragedy gets up close and personal. See, I saw what my mom's death did to my dad. And you know what? There wasn't anything funny about it. And I know that for a year, I cried myself to sleep most nights, looking at her picture. I still feel like someone blew a hole in me. A hole that will never heal. A hole that I don't want to heal. Because I don't want to stop hurting for my mom. I don't want to get over it. Jake knew my mom. So when we all came face to face with Visser 1, he knew who she was. But not Rachel, or Cassie, or Tobias, or Axe. And since we'd been an animal morph at the time, the human controller known as Visser 1 did not recognize her son. Where did you hear about Lyrans? Axe asked me again. Look, can you just tell me what you know about them? Axe hesitated. He is still a little uncomfortable about being open and honest with humans. The Andalites are not used to trusting other species. They are an aquatic race. Their planet is mostly water, like Earth. Only their land masses don't have much life. The most advanced life forms are in the oceans. The Lyrans are a sentient race of amphibians. He shrugged. At least that's what I learned in school. I never met a Lyran, of course. They aren't allowed on our world. Not allowed? Why not? 
Are they dangerous? Axe laughed. He gets this kind of superior, know-it-all attitude sometimes. Of course not dangerous. More like embarrassing. Why? Did they fart in public or something? Lyrans are supposed to be psychic. They can read minds. At least they can do it if they are within close range. We have technological and military secrets we don't want the Lyrans to know. Plus, you know, thoughts you might not want strangers listening in on. Now, where did you hear about Lyrans? Eric, the Chi. He says there's some kind of secret underwater thing going on with the Yurks. He says some Lyrans are involved. Axe looked puzzled. Yurks and the Lyrans? It doesn't make sense. The Yurks could never invade the Lyran world like they're doing with Earth. The Lyrans are psychic. They could instantly know if one of their people were a controller. Yeah, you're right. On the other hand, if you could make controllers out of these Lyrans, psychic controllers? Axe swiveled his stock eyes toward me. They would be able to root out spies. Like the Chi. They would be able to sense traitors. And they would be able to find five human kids and one Andalite, I said. They would see right through an animal morph. They would mean the end of us. I took a deep breath and let it out slowly. Through a gap in the trees, I spotted a hawk soaring just over the treetops. Maybe Tobias, maybe not. In addition to fantastic sight, hawks have excellent hearing. I wondered, if it was Tobias, if he'd overheard my conversation with Axe. I guess it doesn't matter, I muttered. What doesn't matter? Anything, I said with a laugh. It doesn't matter, does it? I guess I always knew my secret would come out sooner or later. Funny boy Marco is destined to look pathetic. My friends will look at me and think, Poor, poor Marco. I shook my head. Never fails, you know. The irony gods. They wait for the chance to twist your life around. Mr. Cool and Detached ends up being the object of pity. Great. Perfect. These irony gods are a human religion? Naturally, Axe was totally mystified by my babbling. Now, they're just a Marco religion, I said. The irony gods wait to find out whatever it is you don't want. And that's what they do to you. And this is funny? Axe asked. He's a little unsure of human humor. Absolutely, I said. If this was happening to someone else, it would be hysterical. Chapter 5 In the end, I told Jake we had to do it. We had to find out what the Yurks were doing on Royand Island. But I told him not to tell the others the rest of it. About my mom. I still hoped somehow we'd be able to avoid my dark secret. And avoid pity. Royand Island is a small private island about 20 miles off the coast, I told the others when we were assembled in Cassie's barn. The barn is also the wildlife rehabilitation clinic, the place where Cassie and her dad take an injured or sick wild animals. It was Saturday morning. We were planning to take a first casual look at Royand Island. It's about four miles long and about three miles wide and shaped like a crescent moon 
I continued. Very poetic, Rachel said. Crescent moon. Hey, it's a quote from the guidebook, all right? I said. I winced. I shouldn't have snapped like that. I should have had a comeback ready. I looked tense, snapping at Rachel. I took a deep breath. Anyway, Axe says these Lyrans are psychic, so we have to be very careful. We can't get near one of them. How near is near? Jake asked Axe. I don't know, Axe admitted. I think a few feet, but I don't know. How do we get to the island? Cassie wondered. By air or by sea? Twenty miles is a long way to try and swim, Tobias pointed out. He was up in the rafters, as usual, keeping an eye out through the open loft and listening with his hawk hearing. So we do a combination, Jake said. Fly out there. Rest. Morph to dolphin. Not everyone has a dolphin morph, Tobias pointed out. I can fly cover. I saw Cassie cock an eyebrow at Tobias. I think we were having the same thought. It was a little like Tobias didn't want to morph, now that he had his morphing power back. Axe has a shark morph from when we first rescued him, I said. That will do as well as Dolphin. And if Tobias doesn't want to morph... I didn't say that, Tobias said quickly. Jake looked at his watch. Tobias, you could still fly out to the gardens and acquire a dolphin morph. The gardens are on the way, more or less. I have to remain in my own body to acquire a morph, Tobias pointed out. Kind of obvious, a red-tailed hawk suddenly landing on a dolphin. Yeah, well, never mind then, Jake said. Come as you are. He smiled. You've always been our secret weapon, just the way you are. Tobias hesitated. No, you're right. I should do the dolphin thing. Twenty miles over water. Those aren't really my best flying conditions. You tend not to get thermals over water. I'll do it. I'll acquire a dolphin morph. Okay, I'll definitely do it. And then, hey, no problem, right? I mean... A dolphin in water, that's like a bird in the air, right? We were all staring at him. Tobias isn't usually a babbler, but he was babbling. It was Cassie who figured it out first. Tobias, are you afraid of water? Water? Afraid? Me? I'd say that's a yes, I laughed. You're not afraid to be a mile up in the air? But you're afraid of water? Not water, he said hotly. It's just that, you know, there's no air in the water. You can't breathe. It presses in all around you. Hey, how about we stop busting on Tobias, okay? Rachel growled. If he doesn't like water, he doesn't have to like water. No, it's okay, Tobias said shakily. I'm cool. I mean... I'll be a dolphin, right? They live in the water. I nodded. Yep, we've established that dolphins live in water. Okay then, Jake said. Tobias needs to go to the gardens to play with the dolphins. And we need to make this fast. So let's fly, and let's hope we get lucky. They hold their breath underwater, right? Tobias asked. I mean, 
I guess that's obvious. But if they ever forgot... It'll be okay, Cassie reassured him. You'll see. Once you've been a dolphin, you'll never fear the ocean again. The ocean? Oh man, the entire ocean. I don't know why, but Tobias being scared made me feel better. I guess it's true that misery loves company. Let's morph, Jake said. And a few minutes later, I had curved, swept-back wings, brilliant white feathers, and a serious passion for garbage. Chapter 6 If you want to fly high and far, take on a bird of prey morph. But if you want to be able to go anywhere, without anyone really noticing, be a seagull. Seagulls and pigeons can appear anywhere and do anything without anyone getting upset. But if you show up as a bald eagle, people are going to notice. We'd all done seagull morphs before, except for Tobias and Axe. We figured Tobias had enough to deal with having to acquire a dolphin, so no one suggested he do a gull, too. But Axe was a different story. Cassie had an injured seagull in her barn, so Axe quickly acquired it. We flew to the garden swift and low, the way seagulls do, and we noticed every last piece of edible garbage on the way. Every stray french fry, bread crust, burger fragment, candy wrapper, cheese puff, and melted jujubee. Seagulls are as good at spotting edible garbage as hawks are at spotting mice. I cannot believe I'm flying with seagulls, Tobias sneered. I could get kicked out of the hawk fraternity for hanging out with lowlives. Actually, Tobias wasn't exactly hanging out with us. He was flying higher, about 200 feet above us. But Tobias has been a hawk so long, he relates almost as much to other birds as he does to humans. He respects and fears golden eagles and falcons, both of which will occasionally attack a hawk. But he actively dislikes pigeons, seagulls, and above all, crows. I think it's something to do with the groupy nature of those birds. Tobias is a loner. I spotted the gardens up ahead. It was easy, since the roller coaster is about ten stories high. And I saw lots of other gulls circling in the sky over the amusement park and zoo. Ah, our brothers and sisters await, I said. They probably already got all the good food, Rachel grumbled. She was joking. I hoped. We swept on a following breeze above the parking lots and above the fences and right over the gate where we should have had to pay if we'd been human. Let's go this way, I yelled, suddenly excited. I've always loved amusement parks. I live for coasters. Or at least I did before I became an anamorph and discovered bigger thrills. Which way? Jake asked. This way. I banked my wings and suddenly shot left, straight for the wooden roller coaster. A car was clank clank clanking its way up the first main hill. I flopped my wings and swooped right for it. The first car had two guys in it. Not much different than Jake and me, I guess. They were holding their arms up in the air, getting that anticipation rush. I flew straight for them and landed on the front of the railing of the car at the moment it reached the top of the hill. Whoa, birds! Marco, what are you doing? Jake asked. We're not here to play around. But he landed right beside me. Jake has gotten awfully responsible lately. 
but he's still my old bud. Get away, birds, one of the kids said. We ignored him, and just then, the coaster dipped over the top of the hill. Down we went. Down and down, faster and faster. I clutched the railing with all the strength in my seagull feet. Yeah! I yelled. Whoa! The kid shouted. The bottom of the hill rushed up at us. Down we shot. Then, the bottom, and up, and up, and up, at a hundred miles an hour. And right then, at maximum speed, I opened my wings. The car dropped out from under me, and I was airborne again. Yeehaw! I yelled. You're nuts! Jake cried, but he followed my lead. The two of us blasted off like we'd been shot out of a cannon. Look out! Whitewashed wooden beams were dead ahead, the supports for the coaster. I trimmed my wings, turned on my side, and blew through a gap in the timbers with no more than two inches of clearance all around. Come on, now that was cool. Admit it! I told Jake. Yeah, that was cool. We're still our old selves, aren't we? I mean, we haven't changed. Not really. No matter what, right? Sure, Marco. No, I mean it. I realized I had grown very serious. I don't know why, but I wanted Jake to agree with me. It was important to me. We're still just us. Nothing that happens can really change what you are, right? We flapped side by side back to the others. Look, Marco, Jake said warily. I'm not exactly a philosopher, okay? Yeah, well, I'm me, no matter what, I said defiantly. No matter how many morphs, no matter how many battles, no matter what, I'll still be me. Everybody better accept that. Jake laughed a little. Marco, if it makes you feel any better, you'll always be just a punk to me. I had to laugh too. Thanks, I said. We flew over to the dolphin tank. Smooth gray torpedoes were swimming patterns against a blue background. This ought to be interesting, I said. A hawk making physical contact with a dolphin? I didn't know just how right I was. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel, and I am very sleepy right now, and I had to turn off my fan to record this, and we're at the time of the year where it's real hot outside, so let's wrap this up quickly so I can stop sweating. Uh, thank you for listening. If you want to see some more stuff I do, head over to theapocalypse.com. That's the apocalypse. It's like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, if you use Apple iTunes, excuse me, Apple Podcasts is the new thing, uh, and you'd like to give me a rating or review, I sure would appreciate that. Uh, same with uh, sharing this with a friend, if you so choose. Or a stranger. You could share it with a stranger if you want. You'd be braver than me, but chase your bliss. Uh, if you'd like to reach me, you can do that at audiomorphscast.tumblr.com or audiomorphscast at gmail.com. Okie dokie, that's all I have for you this week, so I will see you next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>